Hi, this is David. Eating right is often hard these days, but eating better is easy with Factor's ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. With Factor, there's no prep and no mess. Their meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Plus, Factor is less expensive than takeout, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. What are you waiting for? Discover Factor's wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash living50 and use code living50 to get 50% off. That's code living50 at factormeals.com slash living50 to get 50% off. Thank you. Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. Today's reading was edited and adapted from Character and Happiness by Alvin Edwin McGarry, published in 1924. It's been said that the old shall dream dreams and the young shall see visions. But what about those in middle age? The youth of 20, looking into the future, is stirred by the glowing visions that fill their horizon. The old of 70, musing by the fire, dream quietly of the days that are gone, and if all has gone well, are tranquil as images of past joys fill their memory. But what shall be the inspiration of the woman and man of 45? who has passed the time of grand visions, and has not yet come to that of quiet dreams. They have no time for anything but the rough practicalities of life. They have a home and a family. They own a hundred feet of garden hose, an electric washing machine, and a fair to middling automobile. They manage to pay the premiums on their life insurance and support their family respectably. But for dreams and visions, they have no time. It is largely on the middle age that the responsibility rests for managing the affairs of the world. They have lived long enough to acquire skill and not long enough to lose their powers. Here and there we find some precocious youth managing great enterprises. And here and there, an octogenarian delights us with their courageous continuance in the fight. But it is on the men and women of the middle years that the greater part of our affairs depend. With their entrance into the forties, most people come to the time when they have laid the foundations of their fortunes. It is at this time that they fall into the error of believing that the best part of life is behind them, 
and there are experiences common to most middle-aged women and men which make this deadening assumption seem true. At this time of life, a person may conclude that they have attained as much skill in their profession as they are likely to attain. They have begun to weary of some of the things that fascinated them in youth. They may come to be satisfied with their own limitations and accept the fact that the world is not their oyster after all. Intimations of mortality begin to appear. Their 15-year-old child proves more than a match for them in some athletic exercise. They respond by avoiding the inevitable conclusion. They begin to dress with studied youthfulness. They make strong resolutions to take more exercise, convincing themselves that all they need is a bit of conditioning, but it can only ever take them so far. At last they are compelled to confess that it is with them as with all mortals. They have neither the carefree attractiveness of youth, nor the serenity of old age. They are merely middle-aged, growing a bit paunchy and a bit gray, and often a good deal discouraged. Yet the woman and man of character, whose quest is for high things, and whose faith is in the highest, at this time will enter into the most productive period of their lives. The realization that life is short, will stimulate all the powers of their mind and soul, so that they shall bring to ripe fruition the stored-up skill and wisdom of the first half of their career. It may be true that a few women and men do their best work in their youthful years, but it is not so with most. If we were to gather the greatest works that people have accomplished in any field of endeavor, we should doubtless discover that the fruitful time of life is in the years past forty. Yes, nobody loves to lose their figure, or watches without regret the departure of their hair. But wise people know that at the very time these disquieting events take place, the powers of the mind and spirit are at their best. In youth, the wise woman and man sows, in middle life they shall gather, in old age they shall enjoy. Let us see that now we are full grown, skillful, competent in the things which make humankind supreme among the creatures of the earth. We may be less of an athlete than we were, but we are more of an individual. If neither visions nor dreams are to tint the landscape of life for us at middle age, it must be that we shall find our joy in seeing things as they are. We of all people must look life in the face courageously. The practical concrete responsibilities are ours. We must keep the payroll going and pay the rent. As to essential meanings of our own life, we must not be deceived, nor must we deceive ourselves. It was Butler who said, Things are what they are, and the consequences of them will be what they will be. Why should we deceive ourselves? With our entrance on the second half of life, 
we should have learned to take truth without discount or embellishment, and to live with it happily. As we grow out of the period when our medicine must be sugar-coated, so we ought to grow out of the mental immaturity, in which we want the facts of life sweetened before taking. We must deal competently and faithfully with the commonplaces of existence, occupying ourselves largely with rent, taxes, and our children's shoes. And yet we must be courageous enough to labor for these uninspiring necessities during all our waking hours, without losing our belief in the essential loveliness of life. We must guard ourselves against that tendency to stop growing, or even to stop wanting to grow, which is the cause of the failure of so many people's careers. Many promising young women and men never fulfill their promises because they come to the middle of life and quit. Tastes become fixed. Habits become inflexible. Prejudice supplants thought and the whole life turns into mechanical routine. There must never come a time in our lives when we cease to add to our powers of understanding. The responsibilities of middle age ought to make us more interested in more things than we ever were before, for it is the nature of life to bring us to ever-widening horizons. At eighteen we were a student. Our whole life was expressed in our interest in school, and generally speaking, we were as like our fellow students, as one canary in a cage is like the others. But now at forty, we may be a shop owner, a technician, a doctor or lawyer, or any of the many other professional callings. Far from becoming narrow in our views, and prejudiced in our opinions, a person at this time of life ought to be a citizen of the world in the best sense, who, like the ancient Roman, nothing that is human shall be foreign. Surely this is the time in life for one to take stock of things. Where are you going? In what direction does your life tend? Youth is behind you. Old age is ahead. What kind of old age shall it be? Just ahead may be some big smashing misfortune. How will you meet it? Will your character collapse? Or will you march steadfastly through the storm to shelter and security? Just ahead the crucial temptation of your life is waiting. What will you do? Just ahead death casts a shadow before you and passing through it, you will step out into the unseen. With what courage, what expectation, what assurance shall that step be taken? These questions must be answered, and this is the time when we ought to answer them. Between dreams and visions, we are given time to deal with life's realities, and the person most likely to be happy is the one who has learned to look at things as they are, to love them for their own sake, and to know that there is a value in them that transcends the common view.
Such a woman and man understands that they are less than perfect. They clearly see the tinsel and the dross, and yet experience has taught them that things may be mingled with alloy, and many turn out differently from what they had expected, and still be more precious than they had ever dared to hope. That deeper happiness, called blessedness, is an attainment of the second half of life, rather than the first. It is when we have learned to laugh at ourselves, when we have ceased to expect that life shall be all sunshine, or to fear that it shall be all cloud, when we have learned to live without our unsolved problems, and be happy in spite of them, when we have learned our faith, and found it valid, and have tried our friends, and found them true, when we have seen all the evil that people can do, and yet have kept our spirit sweet and our trust undaunted. 